Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. John Verdon said, Nothing leaves you more vulnerable to your past than the illusion that you've dealt with it. This is episode 39 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Troy Rice. Growing up, he had two lazy eyes, which led to unflattering glasses and meant he'd face his fair share of bullying. This would lead to poor self-esteem and insecurity that stayed with him well into adulthood. When he finally found his place and purpose in the workplace, it came to an end and led to a lot of frustration when the company decided to discontinue funding his projects. Now he speaks to students about overcoming bullying and is the founder of FarmBridge, helping farmers run profitable and sustainable operations through applying lean farming principles. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Troy Rice. Hey, Troy, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. You were a referral by our mutual friend Godwin. I did read a little bit of your backstory, but definitely want to get into it more today. But again, thank you for taking the time to come on today. Thanks for having me, Brian. Not a problem. So the first question I ask every guest is, what is your definition of vulnerability? Yeah, and I, I think the, the way that I like to answer this one is the way that I first experienced it. And so when you're a kid, I feel like vulnerability can be uh, just finding that moment of shame or a mistake and then openly admitting it and then understanding like, oh, wow, that wasn't that bad. And I really did learn from that moment. But then when you become an adult, you live in these worlds where uh, to not make mistakes is sometimes taught the better route. And uh, there are a few other podcasts where I've, where I've shared examples um, that's most notably in Black Box Thinking. It's a book by Matthew Side that talks about industries that continue to cover up mistakes because um, to be perceived as somebody as an expert in something and then to admit that you made a mistake uh, often goes overlooked and pushed under the rug. And so vulnerability to me as an adult is finally opening up with my struggles as a child and being bullying and then being willing to actually share that in classrooms and look directly at students and have them share that moment with me and when I first did it uh, I had this like uh, emotional release like I, I had held it in for like 20 years and so just to stand in the room and verbally say it out loud to students that may or may not be experiencing bullying and have them look at me with this look on their face and almost feel like the room and everybody's heart drop for a minute that's what I truly felt uh, being vulnerable really impacts uh, people's lives. No, and you know, it's, it's interesting to me that, that we all have this sort of different definition of what vulnerability is based on our own experiences and stuff like that. And, and I couldn't agree more with yours in terms of, you know, how we have to sort of get past the shame. And then also as an adult, sort of get over the fact that, you know, mistakes are going to be made. And, and when we sort of open up about them, it, it's where you sort of get that release rather than hiding behind them. And, and, you know, a lot of people that I've had on have talked sort of about this whole having a mask and sort of hiding behind a mask and, and not really letting people people know or see the true person because you're so worried about I guess people's judgment and everything that you just sort of try and put on this persona of being like the perfect person and that's never going to get you very far so uh, I couldn't agree more with what you had to say so I mean uh, you sort of touched on it there but if you, if you don't mind I wouldn't mind getting a little more into it so what would you say would be your earliest memory of going through a situation of, of vulnerability or struggle in your own life yeah and I um as I mentioned, like bullying as a kid, I, I, I grew up with uh, two lazy eyes and I had to wear glasses. And, and when I was in that age, glasses weren't cool. It's not like nowadays where you can use Warby Parker and order these cool lenses and try them on and send it back. And so back then, uh, it just, it was one of those things that wasn't cool in schools. And so I would get pushed around and uh, my glasses would fall on the ground and I had bullies would step on them and I had to have my parents come pick me up. And the interesting thing is like, as a child, you you can either choose to act out or you can internalize it. And I was one of the kids that internalized it. And so I would hold those feelings in for a better half of 25 years. But the one thing that my parents always helped guide me to when I was a kid was 
to at least express how I felt to those that I trusted. And so, although I would internalize it and sometimes wouldn't respond in a way to the bully or those around the situation, I would find pockets of, of teachers, parents, and family that I had trust relationships with that I would be open with about it and say that I wasn't safe and I didn't want to go to school today because I didn't feel safe uh, walking in. I didn't feel safe on the bus. And I didn't know how I could even like grow myself as a kid when I don't feel safe. And so I would say, and what I share with kids in schools is not only to ask better questions because, and we can get into this a little bit more, which is I believe a bully uh, and the person being bullied both come from the same place, which is this thought of insecurity, whether it's uh, something about you perception wise, how you carry yourself that makes you feel insecure. And then to the bully, maybe they live with a, a difficult childhood um, where they feel the need to bully because they're insecure themselves and how they need to make themselves feel and how they need to make themselves feel happy. And so I try to share at a young age to at least find somebody that you trust and share your feelings because holding something in for, in my personal example, 20 years uh, has actually hindered my ability to grow uh, personally. And I would even have my uh, natural path doctor, and I have a physician too, but I have a naturopath doctor that basically told me that I wouldn't be able to actually be my best self until I started opening up about my stories of being bullied as a kid. And when I started doing that about two and a half years ago now is when my life completely changed. Yeah, you know, it's, to me, it's it's interesting when you said about like, you know, talking to the bully or, or figuring out what their issue is, because it, it sort of brings me to that point that I'm hearing a lot now as an adult, where, you know, obviously, we can process things a lot different now as adults. And there's that that idea that most people that are judging you or trying to hurt you, they're actually hurting more than you or they're judging themselves, and they're just sort of deflecting it onto you. And I think it's a really good way to look at it, whether you're an adult or whether you're a child, no matter what, because again, you, you're just, you're assuming that, you know, again, that that person's doing it just because, you know, there's something wrong with you or whatever. And especially as a kid, you don't really understand much, right? Um, but to then take that perspective of what are they going through? What's their issue? And, and maybe being able to help them, I think is a huge lesson for all of us, like I said, no matter, no matter what age you are. So it sounds to me though, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me the, the what helped you sort of get through that or, or overcome it at a young age. Um, I know you said you carried it for 20 years, but at least at that time, it seemed like it was the people that you surrounded yourself with, your family and teachers, it sounded like, or was there something else that sort of helped you sort of get through that um, back then? Yeah, so two things. Uh, one, I was a, a decent athlete, and so um, by just naturally, I had people look up to me because I was decent at sports. Um, but then the, the one that I, I think was most powerful and how it shaped me today is even when I was a kid, I tried to understand why people would do something and tried to lend a, a hand to help. And so what I found out was as a kid, I was the one that uh, on the playground, I would find the kid that maybe is not a good athlete, maybe got picked on once in a while, and I would pick them first if I was the captain. And because I could almost sense the feeling like they were coming to school in the same place, right? They were feeling like they needed to fit in, um, that others were going to put them down. And so I felt even at that, at that aspect that I wanted to help other people that were in less fortunate situations and ask better questions. And what it led to was I ended up dating uh, one of the bullies in high school. Um, and then because I learned that she had a rough childhood uh, and that's potentially why that she acted out when we were younger, helped me really dig in and realize that there was more of a great person there and then allowed us to have this great relationship in high school. And I feel like that doesn't happen for most people because when uh, blaming or mis shaming or anything like that, that causes bullying happens, it creates this separation, this aggression, anger, frustration. And if we don't ask better questions and all of a sudden those people become shunned out of our lives. And then we start to kind of build habits of doing that. Um, all the way into adulthood, where we kind of like separate this line from people instead of asking questions. And so if I could just help students think through that at a young age, um, then by the time they become adults, they can truly uh, try to understand other people's worldviews and not shut them out. 
No, I, I think that's really interesting how it sort of came full circle <laughs> in a sense, in the sense that you were bullied by somebody and then ended up uh, dating them at a later point and being able to sort of help them. And it always, it always just sort of, I find that I've had other stories in the past episodes where, you know, people talk about things coming full circle like that. And I always find it really interesting because it's not, like you said, it's not really something that would happen to many people and would allow them to get that perspective. But it is really interesting. It sounds to me that, the strength that you might have uh, discovered in yourself or, or that sort of presented itself, at least from what I'm hearing, is, is empathy. Um, because for you to be able to sort of at a, such a young age decide, okay, well, you know, I'm going to pick the kid that doesn't have, isn't as popular or is getting picked on and try and help them sort of come up with me. That, that to me, like I said, doesn't sound, the, the, sounds like the definition of empathy. But is there another strength you would say you discovered or would you say that was something that you sort of it, it brought out in you? Yeah, I'd, I'd say say empathy is a good one. I think just kindness. And yeah. I know empathy and kindness kind of go together, but uh, one thing I do with my, so I have three boys, and one thing I do with my kids every day, and one question I ask them at the dinner table is, what is one act of kindness that you did today? And that comes in many different forms. I mean, with a, so the, the two we have in school right now is a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so to them, like the act of kindness is a lot different, but what I'm trying to get them to think through is like, what did they do throughout their day where they actually thought about somebody else and how they could help them? And if they could build a habit and of doing that now, then just imagine the power that they can have of helping people later. And so I think a strength too is put yourself in those moments where you can give yourself uh, an opportunity to provide kindness and what that actually does to your day, regardless of what state you're in. Like if I, if I come from a, a rough childhood and I show up to school and I just have one thought of helping somebody out, just think of the power that has in, in just shaping your mentality and shaping your physiology. You probably soon change from being depressed and angry, angry at the world to realizing that uh, helping somebody out watching them have a put a smile on their face or helping them with their day and then knowing that that actually internally helps you is a powerful thing especially for a kid to learn no for sure i mean it, like you just brought a whole whack of things to, to the to my mind like one i'm about to my wife and i are about to have our first child and i i think that that is something that i will definitely implement as my child gets older obviously when they're newborn they're not going to understand very much but once they get to that age where they can i can definitely will take that advice because i think that's an awesome piece of advice to start teaching at a, at a young age and then the things that just brought to mind is like the fact that i remember being a kid and my dad you know would always not get upset but he'd just be like he, he if he saw me sort of walk into the mall or something let's say and and when I walked in I didn't hold the door open for the person behind me I would kind of get in trouble for it it was like you know you should hold the door open especially if it was a, a woman especially like so it was like that installing of just being a gentleman I guess and and it still sticks with me to this day like even my wife and I went for breakfast this morning and and there was a guy and I that it was like, you go, no, you go, no, you go. <laughs> because like, I'm just trying to be the polite person. Right. And even a few weeks ago, we were at an Ikea and I offered to help this lady bring boxes to her car. Cause she said she had a, a sore back and she was like blown away. And I'm like, it, it just makes me think about how I think it's because we don't see it as much in society and we don't practice as much practice. Sorry. It is much that people are just sort of like, you know, flabbergasted or whatever you want to call it when you decide to be kind to them because they're just not used to it. So I think that's a great skill to sort of uh, instill it at a young age for sure. Yeah, we, I mean, with the use of technology and devices and smartphones, we've kind of engulfed ourselves to the point where we don't even think anymore, right? Like if I get bored, I'm just going to grab my phone and I'm going to lose myself in social media or whatever it is. And back in the day, it was a self-reflection moment really um, you could choose to find another activity but within that moment you're thinking a little bit about what yourself what you want to do what you're doing right now and now we just grab something and so to think about how that kind of shapes a person and then what that looks like when you go to like a grocery store or a restaurant basically is the same thing right they're leading their whole lives with like all these distractions going on in their heads thinking about their next move could be thinking about their Instagram account or whatever it is, and they completely forgot about uh, who they are as a person and building character. And I love what you said because, you know, my my parents did the same thing. And I think if anything, it just, it teaches you to show the world uh, who you are 
because if I show up to a place and I have somebody hold the door for me, and even if you get into those awkward moments of no, no, you go, you go, they, they soon learn that you are a person that probably in most cases always thinks about helping somebody else or yeah. helping uh, the moment out or whatever, and not the person that is too busy to say hi. Yeah. And so what do you want people to see you as? And I think there's, there's tremendous value in that. No, definitely. I, I couldn't have put it any better myself. So uh, the one thing I, I definitely want to get into is, is, so you said like the, the feeling of bullying, the things that it did to you at that young age started carried on for 20 years. So, you know, the next sort of question I guess I get into is like what the toll of that, that vulnerability took on you. And it sounds to me like it took quite a heavy one if it was 20 years before you started to, you know, get, get out of it or, or get through it in a much better way. So could you just give us a sort of an idea of how that carried throughout your life for those 20 years? Yeah, definitely. So by nature, um, when you don't feel safe, uh, you create these worlds. And for me personally, I created this world of validation. Right? And so most people in schools uh, may consider this to look and feel like social conformity, which is I want to wear the same clothes, listen to the same music. And the reason that you do that is you want to fit in. You don't want people to think different of you. Um, you're fearful that if they think different of you, they're going to treat you differently. And so you find all these moments to validate situations and validate your opinions and validate your beliefs. And so what it did for me is I led a life of validation for those 25 years. And what that looks and feels like is coming to school every day and trying to conform to what my friends wanted. And then because I was insecure myself, I listened to what other people thought that I would be good at. And so like, I practiced math a lot when I was in school. I had teachers and my parents tell me I was good at math. And then naturally, I go off to a university and I initially wanted to go into communications, which is what I predominantly do now, but I abandoned it and then ended up getting a finance degree because I saw one obstacle of a public speaking course, which I was terrified of. And then a natural reaction is, because somebody told me I'm good at math, then I'm gonna go ahead and go and get a finance degree and then spend the next 10 years doing a financial uh, strategy type capacity role in a corporate world. And throughout that entire journey, every moment involved validation from doing the work and then having a teacher validate whether or not it was, it was good work or not. And then getting to the corporate office and having somebody validate your work and are you doing it right and checking your emails and um, are you coming into work on time? And you basically, you're not leading your life. You're having somebody else lead your life for you and validating it. And it wasn't that I had, uh, didn't have success. I did. I, I ended up um, two years, last two years in the corporate world, ended up with a glimpse of what I truly wanted to do in life because I had an opportunity to lead and build uh, culture programs for a $2 billion company impacting 700 employees doing uh, a work-life integration program, a recognition program, and a talent development program. And the whole reason I wanted to do that was because Nowadays, we see so many people walking around with their heads down, right? They hate their, their work. They maybe have struggles with the people they work with. And so I, I slowly got that glimpse of what I had in the childhood is how can I help people get to where they already know that they can be, but at some point in their life, it's kind of uh, taken them down a different path. So they're not living their blueprint. They're living a life based on what other people told them to do. And they've just accepted that and they've accepted it so much that they feel pain and they're not fulfilled. And so I started building this program because I had a vision of everybody coming into workers every day with a smile, giving high fives to each other, loving what they do. And even if it's within the confinements of a nine to five, they still could lead their own life. Like they get up and if they wanna spend time uh, taking their kids to school in the morning, they do that. They wanna take an extended lunch, lunch with a friend, they do that. They want to go work out for an hour and a half during work. They do that all in the midst of doing work that they love. And so I tried to build that. Ultimately, I got to a point where um, the uh, company told me that they didn't want to expand resources on a full-time role as that. And so, you know, naturally in those moments when you get told something like that, you get anger, frustration, pissed off. Like I hated all the people in charge, right? And it wasn't until I spent time of self-reflection and learning that uh, I was enough, right? And I could deliver great work. And then what does that look like? And 
I finally picked up uh, like a practice of gratitude, uh, meditation. I started doing hot yoga. And all of a sudden, I wrote down two things that I cared about, which is agriculture and farming and food health, and then education. And then I started designing my own life, which is what I try to get kids in school today is just try and figure out two things that you love and design a life of what that looks like to you. And it could be creating your own business and owning your own business, or it could be small projects that you love to do and then working uh, on a business that somebody else created but at least have an idea of what that looks like to you. That way you can wake up every day with a smile on your face and excitement that you can bring out into the world to help other people. No, I mean, so a couple of things, like one that stood out for me there is I think that is the idea of how we sort of, I, uh, we tie our identities to our careers, I find. And this is something that happened to me. I, I, for years thought, you know, I was in sales for most of my life and I thought for years, all I was ever going to be was a salesman. My whole identity was I was Brian the salesman. That was it. It didn't matter what it was. I, I, and I've sold literally everything from, I started with cell phones. I think from there I went into like shoes or something like that, then cars and mattresses, then lighting. I've literally, you put it in front of me, I could sell it. And so my identity was Brian the salesman. And now, you know, I'm working in a factory in the afternoons and, and doing my podcast and they've completely changed. But it was similar for me where I started to do that reflection and decide. And one other thing that really stood out is when you talked about figuring out like, what are the things that are really important to you? And, and I hear a lot of people and it's something that I feel like I need to definitely, I, I, you know, I have an idea of what they are, but I hear a lot of people saying, you know, you got to know what your values are. You really have to sort of get down to like a few core values because that will lead your life, you know, to where it's supposed to be or, or where it's going to feel a lot better. And to me, that, that sounds like similar to what you just said right now. And, and it's something that I think is very important. And like I said, I know I need to do it. I know I, I have an idea based on this podcast alone. I mean, this has provided me a lot more value and fulfillment in the last, you know, I started October. Well, I started in September, but I released October 1st of last year. And, and I just, the more I do it, the more excitement I feel, the, the more I'm learning on top of that. And so it's definitely becoming one of my, one of my top, you know, priorities aside from obviously family and everything like that. Um, one thing that I wouldn't, that, that I wonder is, you know, I can only imagine if you were in the corporate world and you were, like you said, you were doing pretty well, you were getting the opportunities and everything like that. You know, there, I'm assuming there must have been a little bit of, you know, vulnerability in deciding to jump out and, and go on into entrepreneurship. And a lot of people that I'm sure listen to this and other guests that I've had on have that similar where it was like, I had this great corporate career, but then I decided to go off in entrepreneurship. And if we wouldn't mind just touching on like, how, what was that journey like? Like, like how did, how did yeah. you find it? Did you just sort of make a leap into it or was there more to it? It was gradual. And I know this looks and feels different to a lot of people. And um, sometimes this question gets answered completely different, uh, which is like, do you uh, completely abandon what you have and just jump into the fire and, you know, lead with motivation every day? Or do you think about something that you would love to do someday, design the life of what you want, and then gradually build up to that. And that's kind of the route that I took. And the reason I did that too is like, even in the, in the corporate world, and I feel like we, we all fall into this, which is we have all these things that we want to get done, whether it's just a bunch of tasks or things that we love. And when we put all of that in front of us, we get overwhelmed. And if we would just take the time and focus on a handful of things and then growing those handful of things and then making iterations as you go, then you can build something beautiful. And so I believed in the way that I went about it was when I first started going down the journey of how I could design a life of helping out in agriculture and then how could I get better at um, delivering my message in schools and what does that look like? I just started building a small plan and then growing in it every day. And so it doesn't have to be, I'm going to quit my job today. It could be, can I carve out a few hours a week to do something that I love and grow it and learn from it? And so like for the speaking one, I literally would uh, put materials and discussions together. What started with uh, discussions with colleagues at work and I would invite like 20 of my friends. I would book a room in the office and just go. And some of them were terrible. <laughs> some of them were good. I was just getting started. Um, but then what that led into was a couple of referrals at a local university. So then I ended up giving talks in university. And then that led to a couple of high schools and then middle schools. And then all of a sudden, like today, and I think six months ago now, um, I hired a public speaking coach and a writing coach. 
and I'm slowly starting to grow in those areas where I'm writing more and I'm reaching out more intently and I'm thinking about focusing in on a particular area that I want to message that I want to share with schools around bullying and growth mindset. And then for agriculture, I just started meeting with people. And so to learn how to get to help in that space, I just started scheduling meetings with community partners and the relation that already have businesses in agriculture, learning as much as I could. And then just taking a flat out whiteboard and designing what it would look like to build uh, what we ended up lifting last year, which is an online farmer's market model where you could go on our platform and pre-shop a farmer's market in your area ahead of time, putting farm food in your cart and then purchasing and then going and joining Express Pickup. So almost like a Amazon without a delivery model yet. Um, and we ended up scaling that out to 22 markets and supporting wow. 70 farmers in six months. <laughs> so but it all started with just a couple steps and then learning and then iterating and then stumbling and none of it was ever perfect. I mean, what we do now uh, predominantly is help out uh, farmers run sustainable businesses with marketing, operating models, leaning their farm. And that was not even the intention. The intention was this consumer platform. But I think when you first take that just initial step towards doing something that you love, you start down a path of something great. And what I like to, to think of it as is like, I believe we all kind of have like these blueprints and we stray back and forth across these blueprints as we learn, but then ultimately we hit that path. And when we hit that path is when uh, people start getting attracted to us too. Like when I started speaking and wanting to get more intently about doing that, then all of a sudden referrals of writing coaches and public speaking coaches came down, my, down uh, towards me, right? And then, for agriculture, I started attracting other people that cared about local food sustainability and educating uh, parents and kids on local food health. And naturally, I think it just like you stumble your way all the ultimately down this path where you can start to be more intent about learning every day. And I think it's a gradual process. I commend those that take the leap and go 100% all in. But for me, and what I try to share with others too is like, if you do that and you're not financially ready and you have to go out there and literally make an impact and start making money right away to support you or your family, what does financial stress do to your ability to be productive and grow mm -hmm. yourself? And I don't know anybody that in a high stress environment, especially financial stress related. And if you have others that are accountable for you, like your family that are able to have a clear mind to do great things, you know? And so, I tried to look at it from that approach is that if I could just build this slowly and do it while I was still making enough money to support my family, then I don't have to worry about financial stress. I may eat in a few hours at nighttime, uh, you know, not, not maybe wanting to work at eight or nine o'clock at night, yeah. but knowing that it's something that I love and withstand that versus waking up every day uh, stressed and not being able to support my family. No, and I couldn't agree more. Like I said, a few minutes ago, I, I took a job at a factory. You know, I started my own business after I got like go from my last sales job a couple of years ago and, you know, dabbling into social media and all this sort of stuff. And then, you know, I was on unemployment insurance. And then once that ran out, it was like, okay, well, I got to get back to the real world now. But instead of just jumping back into like a nine to five or another sales job that I may not like, I went totally a different route, but I knew that it would be smarter for me to do that rather than just continue to try and push on this business and, you know, have my wife support us fully or something like that. And obviously I'd seen the strain, even just that short period of time that I was on unemployment. It's not a lot of money that you get on it <laughs> when you get, when you do unemployment, it's not like you get the same paycheck every that you were once achieving a, a, every two weeks. So, you know, it was for me, I just decided, okay, let me see if I can find something that still allows me to do what I want to do, the podcast, putting out content and so on and then still make a paycheck. And this job has done it for me. And it's totally out of my comfort zone, totally out of my realm. But I think that's also where we learn the most about ourselves is when we go outside of that, when we, you know, because since I've been there, I've found new skills and new abilities that I didn't even know I had. So I couldn't agree with more with everything that you said there. The other thing that I found interesting that you shared is, you know, a few, a few minutes ago, when you talked about uh, going into university, you said that you didn't go into communications because that public speaking course sort of scared you. And then in a few sentences ago there, you said that 
when you decided that you want to start speaking, you put yourself in front of, you know, 20 of your colleagues. Like, I can't imagine how that must have been at first if you were at one point so scared to even do it. And then here you are putting yourself in front of people just to sort of pursue that. And I think that's just an incredible way of showing how we can sort of take, like you said, those small steps towards what we want. Yeah. And there's a, I love sharing this because most of us uh, get nervous when we speak in front of people and naturally it's because we believe that we have something worth sharing, but we don't know people in the audience are going to accept it. And what does that look and feel like? And do we have to? And so what I, what I would soon learn and you know, it takes time to, to get to this point, which is when I show up to speak in a room uh, full of, let's call it 30 people, I'm there to, to really speak to a couple of people in that room that care to listen to what I have to say. And if all of them get a piece of value out of it, great. But if I go into every speech knowing that I'm not really trying to influence the mass, I'm really trying to influence those that are, that care, that care about the material that I have to bring, then that's what matters. And so I think, I think a lot in life we do that too, right? We put content out there or we try to build something and we hope that everybody grabs onto it because we have this awesome thing, but it's not true. And the people that don't like it is totally fine because that just means that it's not within their worldview and it's nothing against, most of them, it's nothing against your product, your value, your service. It just happens to be not the right person. But we have to get to that point and think through that to be able to get over that hurdle. And so I had uh, actually had a lawyer, I did an alumni um, speech at a university and it was a mix of students and alumni and this lawyer for 30 years um, gave me that question. He's like, how can you stand up there in a room full of not just you know students that may or may not be learning something new and the presentation I had was um, an intentful, thoughtful gratitude practice coupled with uh, designing your dream life or whatever is what the presentation was. Mm-hmm. It was like, how can you step into here? And maybe knowing that students don't know a lot about this, nor practice gratitude besides Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. But but to step in a room of, of professionals that have, you know, 30 years plus of experience and everything and feel comfortable about leading this material. And I, I told him that same thing. I said, I'm in here to speak to those that care. And I'm hoping that what I share comes across as valuable to you, but at the very least, um, somebody in this room will take something that I said and grow it. And that's why I'm here. And he loved that. And I'm hoping that he takes that. And I don't know if he has any intentions of, of speaking like at his office or in, in the community, but we all have something to share. And so I hope he kind of goes out and is vulnerable and, and does that. No, again, like it's just, I'm relating to a lot of what you're saying right now because, you know, I've sort of been on both ends of the spectrum and and maybe you have as well, or, or, you know, people that have, but, and what I'm talking about is so, you know, when I first hopped onto social and, and, and going back to the conversation of social media and everything that we started a few minutes ago, um, when I started on social, I started growing a following fairly quickly. And one of the last videos that I put out on LinkedIn, you know, before I completely disappeared from the platform, which is another story altogether, but nonetheless, the the video had like 10,000 views, right? And so I think that because of things like that in social media, we get caught up in that thing of like, we want everybody to see what we're talking about. We want everybody to love what we're talking about because we get addicted to sort of the, the likes and the views and the this and the that. And then if you sort of go now with this podcast, you know, sure, you know, I've, I've done pretty well in terms of downloads and stuff, you know, in the, the four or five months that I've had this going on. But what my goal is, is not to, to see how many downloads or even care how many downloads I've had. What I've said consistently, episode after episode is that my goal is to impact one listener per episode. That's it. If I impact one listener, I'm good. I don't if I impact 100, even better. But really, my goal is only to impact that one person. So I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't agree and relate to what you're saying more because I've come to the realization after being sort of on both sides of the coin where, yeah, sure, it's great to get 10,000 views and, and 100 and something likes and whatever. 
but how many of those people are you actually making an impact on rather than them just clicking or whatever whereas if your focus is to just impact one or two people your message and everything just becomes a lot clearer and that's what like i said this podcast has done because i'm focused on something that i really want to do which is help people and i feel like what with through the stories that i'm sharing and sort of the context that i'm sharing them in i'm hopefully doing that by teaching people that these vulnerabilities and struggles that you go through can actually lead to you know, the better part of your life if you learn from them rather than just getting sort of stuck in them, which again is something that some of us can do. And I had some tremendous advice. So my, my, my running coach who I praise all the time, he's a good friend now, but he's just, he's an awesome guy. Um, told me that anytime you're trying to communicate whether it's social media or anything, be very clear on the type of people that you're communicating with. And that will help you the best because Sometimes we come up with this idea and I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to share this with the world. And whether it's like habit change and habit practices and everything, which we all have, we all mm -hmm. have habits. And then I start to put content out and I'm trying to get like as many people to grab onto it, you know, but in reality, what I ended up doing and what he taught me is I'm predominantly speaking to teachers and parents. And I started writing all my content towards students and how we can help students and then in a form and a way that helps teachers and parents think about how they can help their students uh, build better habits lead with the growth mindset and I think when you do that you're no longer playing the guessing game of whether or not you think people care about the content you're out there you know that you're putting it out there for a particular a group of people and whether they're liking it or not you know that that message is being conveyed in a uh, very succinct uh, valuable way no, for sure. And, and I think the interesting part is when you see it sort of come back, like for me, when I started the podcast, you know, it was my mother and my aunt were the first two people that came to me and were like, well, you know, this episode really made me think. And I was like, really? Like, you're the last people that I thought would have come to me saying that. that, but they did. And then just recently as well, I've had a few people on social where like one uh, connection of mine who I've known for a couple of years now, she was in the comments of somebody's post about new podcasts to listen to. And she mentioned my podcast and she was like, the person was like, Oh, you know, is Brian like a psych, like a psychologist or whatever. And she's like, no, but he has a pretty good grasp on this whole subject. And I was like, wow, that's really nice. Like I'm obviously making enough of an impact on her for her to suggest other people to listen. And then there was another person who, you know, was going through some struggles and they comment, I commented on a post of theirs and then they commented back saying, you know, thanks for your podcast. It's actually been helping me get through this. And you're like, holy cow, like, because you're, like I said, you're imagining it. You're, you're maybe saying, you know, like you just said, you've got this idea of who you want it to impact and, and how you want it to impact them. But when you actually see it happen, it brings it to a whole new level, in my opinion. And if there's one story I can share too around the power of that. And so what I love what you just said, Brian, is like when you get that feedback from somebody and how that truly changes their lives, then you realize like this is exactly why I'm doing it. And whether or not 25 people grab onto it or just that one, you know that you did something for that, that person's life. And so I share the story of I was speaking at a high school and I uh, most of the presentation was around core values and figuring out your core values and everything. And then within that, I share my story of, of bullying. And, and most importantly, I try to inspire students in the room to be vulnerable and talk about things. And so I had this student um, like stand up. We were, we were going through this process of like sharing what they came up with, like what their core values were. So he could have just stood up and said, well, you know, I like um, helping people or whatever it is. But he stood up and he said, you know, I've, I, I, what I love to do is write and play music. And the reason that I want to write and play music is because my 10-year-old uh, sister was diagnosed with leukemia and it's been very hard on me and my family to cope with that. And I lose myself in writing and playing music so that I can get myself through it and help my family get through it. And at the end of the day, it brings me happiness. And I, those those are the moments, Brian, that I go into schools right there. And it's beautiful because that kid is doing what he loves, helping his family, and then just shared his story with everybody in the classroom. And I guarantee you, at least one other student in there felt the same way that I did. No, for sure. Goosebumps. I'm not even joking. Like goosebumps when you said that, because 
I can only imagine how that must have felt in the moment to to be there and have that person just open up to you like that. Because again, you know, like you, like we said over and over again a few times here, you don't know how you're impacting people, but when you see it so directly, I, like I said, I can I can only imagine. So if we took everything that sort of happened to you over your lifetime from, you know, the bullying to sort of going into a career that you weren't necessarily, you know, completely tied to and everything like that, how would you say that everything that you've gone through, everything that you've experienced has helped you get to where you're at today? Yeah. I, I mean, the journey really started with just um, giving myself more time. And what I mean by that is, it's so easy to never focus on yourself. And I don't mean like going to the gym or trying a different food diet. I mean, like, like truly reflecting on whether or not you are growing and could you do it like every hour or at least build it in twice a day, because there are so many things within a given day that we could just fill our minds with, fill our task plate with. And we often do. And then at the end of the day, if we, enjoy Netflix or watching shows or whatever, then we do that. And then we get up and do it all over again. And what happens is, is that you never really get to that place where you truly, truly are growing and then feeling it, like feeling the true growth of what it looks like to do something that is really in line with your core values and that you can truly build a skill set at. And so I would say like the best thing about my entire journey was two years ago, actually giving time back to myself and learning that I want to build the best future me and the best future me is only going to be understood by a reflection of whether or not I did the best I could in every moment, whether that's uh, business related, whether that's being a better husband, whether that's being a better father, uh, all the things that I care about and did I do my best to be the best version of myself every day. Oh, solid. Um, so would you say that at this point, with, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, would you say at this point with everything that you're doing, everything um, that's going on in your life now, would you say that you found success and fulfillment in your life? Or would you say that you're still on your journey towards that? Always on my journey towards it. But I, I would tell you that um, I'm like a rocket when I wake up every day. And <laughs> like if you when you did get to that point, whether you, and so like a cool story I'll share with you is like, we, we have a six month old too. And so uh, this is about two months ago now. Um, we just went through the normal uh, pains of the parenting of, of having a baby up all night. Right. And I'm a intense uh, exercise person. So I get up at 4am typically and oh, wow. I lift weights and then I do hot yoga at 530. Um, and that's kind of how I jumpstart my day. And I was, I was literally up all night with, with my wife and uh, my alarm went off at four and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Like you didn't sleep at all last night. And I said, <laughs> I can't wait to get at my day. Like that's how I start my day. Cause I, I listen to books when I'm lifting too, cause it helps me build um, just knowledge base so I can yeah. do content discussions and stuff. And I just told her like, I know that I'm going to hit exhaustion uh, as soon as we get to the afternoon, but this is how I get jacked about my day and how I start my day. And when you get to that point, then you know that whatever you're waking up to, whether you struggle or not. And we, I mean, there are so many times that we stumble with, with the agriculture business um, that I could choose to focus on that, but I don't, I choose to focus on how fun it is to grow that and how fun it is to teach my kids about eating local and the importance of feeding their, their bodies at school. And like, that kind of stuff gets me amped up. And if you wake up every day and you feel like that, you're in the right place. No, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. I mean, the, to, to, to stay up all night and still be that amped that you want to get going. I mean, a few months ago, um, back around when I started this podcast, I was doing something called the 5am club. I don't know if you've heard of Robin Sharma, but came out with this book, the 5am club. And so every day at 5am, I was getting up, I was doing 20 minutes of uh, exercise, 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of journaling, and then 20 minutes of reading. And mind you, I get home from work at 1130 at night. So by the time I got into bed and everything, it was probably like midnight. But my alarm would go off at five and I'd get up and I'd do that routine and it felt amazing. Now, we got a puppy a few months into that process and similar to probably having a baby, not quite as much, but in, in the same ways, it was like getting up in the middle of the night and all that. So I kind of veered away from it, um, but I'm starting to get back to it now and, and, I, and I couldn't agree more that when you have that routine and 
and you're really it, it, and you really sort of know where you're going and what you want it doesn't it's not that hard to get the five hours and, and keep doing it I mean after a week or so definitely by the weekend I would feel a little exhausted but that just on the weekends I would take a little bit of time off I might start my routine a little bit later or whatever but like I said I've just in the last week or so I started getting back to it and it's already feeling a lot better so I, I couldn't agree more so last thing I, I like to ask my guests is, you know, if somebody were to listen back to this, there's a ton of takeaways that they can sort of pull from it. Um, and, but I like to have my guests give our listeners three key takeaways, three things that they could then implement into their life to help them get through their journey and their struggles. So if you could give our listeners three key takeaways, what would they be? Yeah. Uh, number one, take care of yourself. And I knew that there's no way that I could actually grow in anything that I wanted to do. Uh, even if I cared a lot about it, if I didn't take care of myself. So take care of yourself. And, and what's hard about that is we often prioritize uh, short-term outcomes first and never long-term outcomes. And what that leads to is like eating foods that we know are bad for us, but are okay with it in the short term. But then like, you know, a year or two go by and you're like, oh man, like why, why do I feel like this? Or I need to, you know, eat better, lose weight or whatever. And so that happens because we always think in the short term. And so give back to yourself now and it'll help you prioritize uh, towards that long-term journey. Um, and then I'd say the second one would be uh, really thinking intently about uh, who you are because we all are awesome. And I have this poster behind me that says you're freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, share it whenever I'm on the podcast, but uh, who you are, like just give that to yourself. Like, I don't care what you got going on in your day. Like if you woke up every day and you just told yourself that you're awesome, just imagine like how that makes you feel even just for a glimpse in a moment. And so what, what all that basically breaks down to is like, be, be yourself and know yourself and to know yourself, you, you truly have to, uh, again, spend time knowing that. Um, and then the last piece is don't be afraid to, uh, provide an act of kindness as much as possible, even in situations where you feel like it feels weird. And <laughs> by weirdness, I mean, like, it's easy to find people and like help people you've met, uh, maybe with somebody you built a relationship with, maybe somebody that seems like outgoing and fun, where you can just be like, hey, okay, like, they're kind of a fun person, so I can interact and the, uh, it'll be fine. But like, what I share in schools is, get past that point of, of awkwardness and, and difficulty by offering acts of kindness. And what that does is it builds trust. And the reason that I think nowadays we have such a problem of like going to a restaurant or school and just watching everybody at the table with, on their phones is because naturally it's always been difficult to communicate with people yeah. because we all have lots of things that we think about and that we're different about and different beliefs. And so back in the day, like we just kind of embraced that. You might sit around the table, even with family and be like, oh, this is awkward. Like I, I haven't had anything in common to this cousin in a long time, but that still built relationships, right? Because it still forced you to even have the act of kindness and asking a question to learn about their day or learn about what they're doing or whatever it is. And so I would challenge everybody to just find those moments so that you can embrace the awkwardness and build that thoughtful trust and relationship because it will help you too. No, I, I had a grin probably from ear to ear the whole time you were saying that because again, it just flashing back to like that moment at Ikea when I offered to help that lady put things in her trunk. And when I finished, she literally said to me, she's like, either she said, you're a superstar or you're awesome. One or the other, but I couldn't tell you. I felt <laughs> great. I was like, wow, that's, you know, I didn't really do much. I lifted a box that was like feathers for me, but she thought it was like the best thing ever, even though the whole situation started a little awkwardly. But then I also thought about, you know, going out to breakfast with my wife a different uh, morning a few weeks ago and the the server was just like incredibly like positive and upbeat and everything and at the end of our meal I literally turned to her and I said you have to be one of the best servers I've ever had in in any time that I've ever gone out for a meal and she was just blown away and then she told me a little bit about her backstory and like you know how she'd been in the restaurant industry for her life for her entire life and didn't see any reason you know to be any other way and it was just you know you, you start this conversation like you're saying that Usually people, it's just like, check, please, sign, done, here you go, thanks, bye, see you later. And so I definitely couldn't agree more with that last one. I think we should all try and practice it a little more often. 
There is a, and I guess I'll, I'll leave with this, is that um, Brene Brown, who uh, is a uh, renowned speaker around vulnerability and shame, uh, shares a story in one of her books about driving through a Starbucks, I think it was a Starbucks, it was a coffee shop window, and doing something where she was looking at her phone or on the phone taking a phone call and looked at the person that was about to hand her the coffee and apologized to her and said, I am so sorry. And you spend your day helping and serving other people, you know, getting their coffee ready and everything. And you're a person just like I am. And I should owe you that time to at least exchange a hello uh, while you're giving me the coffee. And for me to be on the phone in that moment or doing something on my phone is rude. And I just wanted to apologize and tell you that um, I do care and thank you for my coffee. And I thought that that was beautiful because nowadays we do that. Like we're yeah. on the phone, we're doing this, we're looking at something else, we're thinking about something else. And just try to bring yourself back to that moment, you know, where, where you truly are, which is there's a, there's a person right in front of you. And <laughs> what would it look like to actually um, just say hi? No, for sure. For sure. Couldn't agree more. So I won't let you leave quite yet because I need you to do one more thing for me. Um, at the end of the podcast, I want all my guests to have an opportunity to sort of promote themselves, what they've got going on, anything that they want to talk about upcoming events for you, in your case, maybe your business. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. Yeah. So you can find um, myself at uh, troy-rice.com if you're curious about what I write about and about speaking. I have my own personal website. If you're curious about FarmBridge, it's uh, F-A-R-M-B-R-I-G-G-E.com. If you want to learn about what we're doing with local sustainability in Michigan, uh, would love to, to share more with you on that. And then uh, I can be found in, on Instagram and, and Facebook, uh, Twitter, and LinkedIn, um, if you're curious and, and reaching me on any of those. And uh, we've got a lot of changes going on right now with, with the new platform we're designing for FarmBridge. So don't have a whole lot to share around um, updates, but if there is any listeners in uh, Michigan, we do run charity uh, events called Farm Dinners for a Cause, which raises all proceeds go to two local nonprofits. And so like last year, we did a local breast cancer group and a uh, mental health uh, organization for military veterans. And we do uh, two or three of those events a year. And so if you're curious about that, we'd love to have you at one of the dinners. Awesome. Well, I know I do have listeners in Michigan because the 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 uh, publisher or whatever the host that I use shows me the map of America where my listeners are. And there is a group of them that are there. I just don't know if they're subscribed or not, but hopefully they'll listen in on your episode and, and maybe we can help you out a bit with that. Um, you know, Troy, thank you for coming on. You know, I, I really, I enjoy these interviews where, you know, it's somebody that's referred or somebody that I don't know as well, because it still amazes me to this day that people are so willing to be, are, are so willing to be open uh, and share so openly and with my listeners. And I appreciate it a ton because I think these stories, like I said earlier in the podcast, are really going to help people really impact people and, and just help more people sort of get over these struggles and these vulnerabilities. And, and I think that's the key to this is that, you know, we're not alone in it and we need to ask for help. And I hope that what I'm doing here can help people. And I know that your story definitely will, because I think it's extremely relatable. So again, thank you for the, your time and, and thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Brian. What you're doing is awesome, man. Keep it up. Thanks. Take care. See ya. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. And follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.